0: Thank you for spending some time with us on The Start On Demand, the podcast which features the highlights of The Start on 680 CJOB. Greg Mackling for vacationing. Brett McGarry, Loren McNabb and I discussing movies this morning. It was a big box office weekend with not one but two movies front and center around the globe and across North America. We discussed that. The Mayor of Brandon joined us. Jeff Fawcett will tell us about the big event Brandon would like to host in 2025. The rain that we've seen, the rain, the heat. Will it mean more mosquitoes in the next several days? Taz Stewart joins us to discuss that. We also talk about rate increases on the rent side. The province announced a new guideline last week. How does that impact those looking for an affordable place to live? And the economy, we visit with Jesse Hager, assistant professor in the Department of Economics and Labor Studies at the University of Manitoba. We want to talk about the summer of discontent on the labor front. That much else coming up in this edition of the Start on Demand. Let's get right down to business. This weekend was the fourth busiest ever weekend at the box office. Moviegoers embracing the whole idea of this Barbenheimer filled weekend the barbie movie and Ar- oppenheimer combining for incredible amount of box office over 155 million for the barbie movie and 80 million that's just in the US worldwide these films are doing extraordinary things and it's interesting, Loren, because they're sort of night and day films. One sort of a grim genre, 1940s era piece. I'm, I'm doing some research and looking at Variety.com online with regard to these numbers. So these are their numbers that they have compiled, and the idea that that uh, this this Barbie movie is just capturing the imagination of so many people. Typically, like the three largest uh, opening weekends ever previous to this. Avengers, two Avengers and one Star Wars film. And so typically when you have these record-breaking weekends, the audiences are 60% plus male. Well, the Barbie movie is flipping that on its ear. It's flipping the script, 60% female viewers. And so you add in the fact that Greta Gerwig is the director, first female director to have an opening weekend like this. There's all sorts of firsts happening here. And it's just highlighting the fact that people still love to go to the movies. Give them a reason, they will go.
1: And summer blockbusters, it, it was such a huge thing for years. I remember, I think Titanic was a summer one. I know one of the Austin Powers was a summer one. Con Air, which was not a good movie, but was a summer blockbuster movie. Awesome Wait, you movie. don't, yeah, you yeah. don't like Con Air? Come on, Come on, what's wrong with you? Put no, no, down no, 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 the no. bunny. No, that's a terrible no, film. Put the bunny it, back in the box. whatever. It's, Come on. It's entertaining, but it was an entertaining film. And the idea was to go to be wowed and people have been wowed by this one. So our question this morning, Greg, is what?
0: Tell us about your favorite, your most memorable movie-going experience. There's a chance we've had this discussion before, but what the heck, let's do it again. We want to send you to the next Blue Bomber game, August 3rd. BC Lions come to town. We have tickets up for grab for the best stories from you, our listeners. Our friends in the studio are not eligible for the tickets, but they're here to set the table. So Tyson Rowicki, I'm looking at you mo- at this moment. So why don't you start us off?
2: Well, so so you know, like when you're a kid, it's a little bit easier to go see maybe some movies you shouldn't with your dad compared to your mom, yes! right? Like huh. it's so my dad when I was eight years old or eight or nine, he took uh, me and my brother, who's seven years older than I am, to to role models, <laughs> and I can tell you it is not a movie for an eight eight year old. Like I can tell you that for free. My mom when she found out that my dad took us to that, she was just furious, and, and but. I had a good time. It was a lot of it. was a fun, fun night with my dad. <laughs> Who's in this movie? Uh, it's Sean William Scott and Paul say Rudd. No <laughs> and, and exactly, and say no more. Exactly. And like That
1: McGlovin kid from Superbad. Yeah, I can't yeah. oh remember
2: His boy. real name, but and my dad would just say, "Well, it's it's called role models. It's got to be it's got to be good for a kid, right? Like it's gonna it's it's gonna show him how to how to act. It's, it, it, it's, it is not."
1: It's so funny you just said that about dads. Uh, just yesterday, uh, we learned that a new Megalodon movie is coming out, like Meg 2 or whatever, and my youngest, who's 10, he's like, yeah, dad, remember when you took us to see the first Meg? And I was, And I, I was so mad when <laughs> that happened because they were like, I don't know, four and six or something, and repeatedly had to be told, okay, cover your eyes. Someone's about to die. Like, and I, they think it's hilarious. But at the time, there was nightmares in our house post that dad excursion.
0: Nightmares ever for you, Peters? After seeing a movie you shouldn't oh, have seen?
3: This is just the worst—the uh, worst one for me. I should have gone first because uh, <laughs> Tyson had a great answer, and I like never go to the movies. Um, best movie I've ever seen was No Time to Die the most recent James Bond film I was just telling Tyson that that's like the only long one where you can sit through it and I quite enjoyed it I am looking forward to going to Oppenheimer um, but I met my best friend childhood best friend Dylan at a movie when we were four years old in Brandon it was an animated movie about a horse I remember that I think it was called Shiloh or something like that. So that's my favorite movie memory because I got a I got quite a lot of mileage. I got like fifteen years of friendship. How did <laughs> of you, what did you mean? Movie. You met him
1: like you were. It was actually...
3: like a it was like a birthday party oh, for fun. a mutual friends, but like I didn't know. Obviously, we were oh, only four. Neat. Like I didn't know him uh, to that point. And I guess we sat beside each other, and yeah, that was it. So
0: talk through the whole thing, probably, probably. Yeah, enjoyed yeah, <laughs> all laugh. the parents. That's threw great. popcorn oh, around, yeah. love, love kids like you. Uh, Six fifty five, <laughs> Jeff Forche, Why don't you jump in here, my friend?
3: One of my well. One of my funniest times was me and my friends went and saw A Quiet Place. And you all know how quiet that movie is. Mm-hmm. like Because you can hear all the popcorn bags rustling and everything throughout the whole movie. Well, at the very beginning, my buddy, he's sitting there eating his popcorn. All of a sudden, you just hear this uh, tussle, and you hear the popcorn spill. <laughs> and he spilled his popcorn all over the place, and it's so quiet in there. You, all you hear was him going... Oh <laughs> And I'm sitting there, I'm trying not to laugh, and I'm snickering. The people behind us saw it happen. They can hear me Trying not to snicker, and they start laughing. And you have this quiet theater and just this <laughs> movie little, ruined This little group, this little group is just making this snickering, laughing noises. My one buddy's so mad that he dropped his popcorn, and I just thought it was hilarious. That's so good.
0: Yeah way to ruin the, ruin the mood that's been you know so painstakingly set. He just upset the whole apple cart. What about you, McNabb, before we uh, pause for global news?
1: This was just happened the other day. The kids were outside playing and, you know, flipping through the channels. And my husband stopped at this movie that we both saw in theater in Brandon. And it still stands the test of time. This came out in 1993. And that scene where they roll up and they see that first live dinosaur for the first time. I don't know. I would have called it a brontosaurus. I think it's something else now or it's been renamed. I don't know. But this moment, Jurassic Park, still, still a great movie. But seeing that live, we it was like what minds were blown, blown. And even now, the kids were like, "This is actually pretty cool." It's the best because lots of times we'll show them. Like I showed them the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the '80s, and that was that did not stand the test. Of
0: time. Yeah, Brontosaurus is now known as the Apatosaurus. Yes,
1: Apatosaurus. <laughs>
0: Mackling, McNabb, McGarry returns on Monday. It's the start for your Monday. I can't believe the end of the month is almost upon us, Loren. Summer's been spectacular for the most part. Cat and Gimley setting us straight, saying the mosquitoes are back in her neck of the woods. We'll find out in about an hour's time whether we can expect an onslaught of mosquitoes with a little bit of rain that we've had over the last little while, especially over the weekend. And uh, the warmer temperatures, can we be certain to see some mosquito activity? So Taz Stewart will join us about that. We'll go to Brandon later on this morning. And we're asking you about your favorite movie experience. We got this
1: one via email from Rick. Rick saying, my favorite movie also happened to be the first movie I went to see in a drive-in. I don't remember the name, who it starred, or what the plot was. My question was, how old was Rick at this drive-in experience? Because perhaps he remembers it because he was, you know, at the drive-in on on a date, not really caring what was on the big screen. So keep those uh, texts coming, (laughs) 780-6868.
0: If you know, you know. Let's sum it up that way. It's unclear as we start this hour. It's unclear whether we will see more strike action from Liquor and Lottery's employees this week after a one-day walkout at stores last week.
1: Yeah, so as we know, the employees are just the latest to hit the picket lines in this province in a bid for more dollars, among other things. Uh, there were several weeks of strike action with hydro employees at, before a deal was reached uh, for some 2,000 workers. Last month, there was a strike between some 6,500 health care workers that was narrowly avoided um, after last minute deal was reached. And of course, we had the largest strike in in Canadian history with the federal employees who went on strike 100,000 plus back in the spring. So Jesse Hager is an assistant professor in the Department of Economics and Labor Studies program at the University of Manitoba and joins us now to go into this further. Good morning, Jesse.
4: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: So are we talking, is this straight up a cash situation, cost of living? What would you say is going on out there? Because the cynic might say, okay, we've got an election looming. It might be timing. Where do you land on it all?
4: I think that might have a little bit to do with it, but I think there's three underlying factors that can explain the situation. Like you say, cost of living, inflation, things are more expensive, workers are looking for money to pay for that. We've also had frozen wages, the wages of unionized workers and public sector workers more generally, they've not kept up with the cost of living, so we've seen their standard of living go down. The third factor I would say is driving this is the economy is still doing really well. We had an unexpected economic growth after the the pandemic that was way higher than anybody thought. Demand for workers is high. That increases the bargaining power of workers. So you have bosses with money from, from growth, whether it's government or big profits in the corporate sector, uh, and that all combines to, to make a situation where workers feel they have a chance to, to make some gains by going on strike.
0: There is a feeling from a lot of folks, I think, that you know, just because uh, just because you're not uh, getting a cost of living increase uh, doesn't mean you should. I'm not getting one. Why should you get one? Is is some of the the feelings that we'll get from listeners when we're having these discussions? How how do you parse that? How do you separate uh, what some people are getting versus what others are getting? And and can that create some resentment amongst different factions within the labor force?
4: Yeah, that's an interesting question. What I can tell you is what the data tells us. And if you look at the data that's put out by Statistics Canada, what we see is that workers who aren't in unions have seen their wages go up. They've actually gone up more than inflation. It's the workers who are in unions that haven't made up that gap. And, and that's not usually the situation, right? Usually unions get higher wage increases than people who are, are not in unions. But what's happened is this inflation caught everybody by surprise. And the labor market was really tight. So if I'm just negotiating one-on-one with my boss, I, I actually got some, some increases. At least on average, that's what happened for people outside of unions. But unions, they have three-year, four-year collective agreements. And those agreements didn't anticipate this, this increase in inflation. So the government actually made it really well. They, they had these agreements. They said, well, we don't have to raise your wages. But workers got hurt by that
1: when you consider that you know you you have people out there that and you know you might put say well they're in a rock and a hard place the taxpayer doesn't want their tax you know their tax dollars to go to all sorts of things, and yet you have a large group of people in this province who are union workers who are saying, we can't keep up with the cost of living. We need to have higher incomes and higher wages. And so when they go and they they talk about strike, what's unusual here to me is that we're actually getting to that strike point, Jesse, that it's not just talk, but we've seen not just threats, but that action. Is that unusual or is that just the time we're in where workers are saying we are prepared to go the distance here?
4: I think it has to do partially with the time we're in. We, you know, workers are in demand. They can see that labor markets are tight, so this is this is a good time to go on strike. Uh, you mentioned an election coming up. No government wants that that trouble happening uh, right before an election, so they're they're trying to settle. Uh, but we also have just seen a, a crummy situation for public sector workers in Manitoba over the last four or five years, right? We have the wage freeze legislation that didn't even give people uh, you know a, a really small increase. We saw big layoffs in the in the public sector uh, and re- reductions in the size of the civil service. So workers, you know, they're working harder, they're losing ground. Uh, they're upset. They wanna. They they want to be treated fairly, and they don't think they're being treated fairly. On the other hand, they see the government giving out huge tax cuts, spending you know hundreds of million dollars in tax cuts. It's not that the government doesn't have the money; it's how they're choosing to spend the money.
1: Before we let you go, Jesse, I just wanted to jump in. You know, this conversation happens all the time. We're talking about inflation, the cost of food, cost of gas, and interest rates. And interest rates have certainly been higher in years past. People will refer to the late 80s, early 90s, you know, when they were double digits. But when you factor in the cost for a home, for rent, for food, can we compare it to periods before? You know, are we worse off or or has it been worse before?
4: Yeah, the the 1970s, there's, you know, there's some parallels to that time where, you know, things were getting more expensive and inflation is really high. But we're not. We're not anywhere near that situation where you know, we saw double-digit interest rates back in those periods. I'm sure some of your listeners can remember remember that. Uh, and we, you know, we saw a big recession that was induced by high interest rates. And, and that, was a, that was almost done on purpose to try and, and get inflation under control. We're not in that situation right now. Inflation's coming down. The economy's still doing really well. Uh, I think there's a chance here that things could actually work out pretty good. Uh, but you, know, you can't predict the future. We'll see where things go.
0: Jesse Hager, Assistant Professor, Department of Economics and Labor Studies at the University of Manitoba, has been our guest. Jesse, thank you for your time this morning. My pleasure. So we are using some alternate technology versus our usual phone technology. That interview is done via Skype. And so you may have noticed that there was a delay in between our guest answering our questions and vice versa. There was a probably about a two-second delay there. So thanks for your patience with that. 7.14, coming up to 7.15 on the start. Mackling and McNabb with you. And later on this morning, we will have a conversation about what's hopefully going to be happening in Brandon in 2025, the economic impact of the roar of the rings. We'll take a pause. We come back more of your text messages on your best movie going experiences. 204-780-6868. We want to hear from you. Mackling and McNabb with you. It's a Monday morning. Brett McGarry returns on Monday. Brett, I hope you had a great weekend golfing throughout western Manitoba, Nipawa, Minnedosa, Clear Lake for the first time. Loren, all my years in Westman, visiting my dad and, and, and out there for, for different events, I still have yet to golf at Clear Lake and I, I simply need to do it. Have you you golfed there? I've
1: been been on the course, but I'm not a big golfer. Like, I think I can't remember the last time, but I was just sort of present, but I don't remember if I was golfing. And I've gone up. you can go out there to eat, you can enjoy the views that way. So yeah, it was a beauty weekend for many and another couple great days coming up. Not such a great weekend for folks to the east of us, Greg.
0: No, it was a rough weekend in several parts of the planet and uh, Western Canada and as well in Eastern Canada.
3: We got three months worth of rain in less than 24 hours. It came fast and it came furious. It's left a mark uh, in, in many ways. That is Nova Scotia
0: Premier Tim Houston. Hundreds of people have been displaced and drivers were still being advised to stay off the roads in the Halifax area on Sunday due to hazardous driving conditions. And North American Indigenous games are taking place in Halifax right now. So lots of Manitoba athletes in in the area. 200 people remain out of their homes in the Halifax area. And of course, Loren, four people are still missing. Our hearts go to everyone in that part of the country dealing with this disaster, including one of our loyal listeners.
1: Yeah, texting us to say, I'm a former Winnipegger that has lived in Halifax for almost two years. I have never seen rain like this in my life. We live here in Bedford near Highway 102, and we couldn't even see the highway with the amount of rain that fell. Thank God today we have sun. Since we've been here, we have been through a hurricane, the fire in Titalian, which we could see from our balcony, and of course, this latest rainstorm. And that was a good reminder. I'd forgotten about the fires that were just, you know, six weeks or so ago that were pretty devastating. So it's been just a terrible few months of wild and crazy weather weather for Nova Scotian.
0: And we're going to get to our next story in a moment. It's inspired our discussion about your favorite movie moments. And from Vanessa, Vanessa says, best memory ever was with my parents, and they took us when Headingley still had a drive-in. We saw the double-feature Jurassic Park and the Flintstones. I still wish they had that theater there outdoors because there's nothing like your parents surprising you and taking you to a drive-in theater. Such good memories. And, and dressing up in your pajamas to go to the movie. Oh, that, that was always awesome. We
1: would bring, and I, I, I think this is when we were living overseas, but my mom would bring, you know, you'd have a full blanket We'd bring it outside we'd she brought it bring a shepherd's pile like we'd have a meal like a full picnic oh, wow. and we'd sit, we'd just do it up right because the movie was the treat, and we maybe couldn't have you know it didn't make sense to have a family of four kids to buy the treat, so sometimes we just brought whatever we could with us i'll have to go back on that memory I can't remember if that where we did that, but I remember being in a Being in a drive-in with a shepherd's pie.
0: As mentioned, this conversation inspired by the massive weekend that was at the box office as thousands, hundreds of thousands of moviegoers flocked to the theaters for a phenomenon they're calling Barbenheimer Loren.
1: Yeah, that was coined after both Barbie and Oppenheimer opened this weekend. Two clearly very different films. Barbie, of course, follows the doll on an existential crisis, a journey of self-discovery. Oppenheimer is about the creation of the atomic bomb.
5: It's a Clash of the Titans.
1: Atomic Bomb. Hi, Barbie.
5: Hi, Ken. Versus Bombshell. What do you do when two of the most anticipated films of the summer get released on the same day? You do Barbenheimer.
1: Barbie and and Oppenheimer, we're seeing both today, double feature. A lot of people did that, Greg. They went to both because they couldn't decide and just sort of made a weekend out of the movies. So
0: that's how Barbenheimer was born. Oppenheimer had an $80 million opening, but it was Barbie that won the weekend big time. The movie opened to an estimated $155 million at the North American box office. That's the biggest opening of the year, but it's also the biggest opening for a female director ever with Greta Gerwig smashing Previous records, Lorraine.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible what happened. And I had said Friday I had no interest in seeing it. And I think I'm changing my mind sort of based on not the spectacle of it, but I had a listener text Friday said, no, Lorraine, you got to go. I saw it Thursday night and it was incredible. Like it defies sort of your expectations. And, And I don't know if my reasons of not going is because of my thoughts about Barbie or the ones I used to have, you know, like a few years ago, because there is a complicated legacy around Barbie. Barbie and so Turia Isri with Global National took a look at the real world rebrand and sort of the early reception to the film. Hey Barbie.
5: Barbie is more than a toy even a movie. It's a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song you should stop by. She's part of history and Elizabeth Condress has every chapter covered. The collector runs a Barbie museum nestled in an Ottawa suburb.
1: The very first one they issued
5: showcasing the famed doll through the decades. Condress got her first one at nine years old. That my
1: parents gave me. And that was Barbie's little sister from the mid 60s.
5: And has already added new dolls to her exhibit, inspired by the highly anticipated film. (gasps) The Barbie movie tells the story of the classic toy experiencing an existential crisis in the real world. Condress saw it opening night.
1: When I walked out, it's like, okay, can we go see it again now?
5: In the six decades since she's been around, Barbie has been at the center of countless debates about who women are and how they look. I'm always a little hesitant when we get into critiquing Barbie for her impossible femininity. Because sometimes we end up criticizing women for femininity. Fans acknowledge she's a complicated symbol, carrying a lot of baggage on those tiny shoulders.
1: There are definitely some interesting connotations there because of body image and gender roles.
5: In the face of sliding sales, the doll has adapted over the years. Barbie has changed what Barbie is. Barbie isn't just that girl next door from California. While some view the movie as a two-hour commercial for Mattel, other critics see it differently. Rolling Stone calls Barbie the most subversive blockbuster of the 21st century, and a pretty in pink, flip of the bird to the patriarchy. To Condress, the buzz is proof Barbie still matters.
1: But Barbie is a toy. You can create, you can imagine, you can have fun.
5: And if you so choose, you can also break the mold. Taria Isri, Global News, Ottawa.
0: I can remember going to see Toy Story when it came out. That Pixar production was outstanding. I went for the special effects to see these toys come to life because they were all mythological. They were created by Pixar. They did not exist until the movie existed. This is going in the opposite direction. Barbie, like you said, a little bit of a complicated history for a lot of folks, and this is... This is obviously reigniting the fascination with that toy.
1: And the debate. I mean, there are books written about Barbie and university courses and all sorts of discussions that have happened over the way because not just about the fact she wasn't the girl next door. She was, if she was a real life person, she would have been 5'9", 110 pounds. This is about as unrealistic as it gets. Over the years, they've changed her dimensions. You can get petite, you can get curvy, you can get a plus size or original Barbie or whatever you call it. They've made her a career woman, not just you know, the the pretty face. There's been a lot of changes, but that's where it starts from, from some people. Like, I don't want to go see that, but I think I'm going to. I think I'll have to give it a shot.
0: Okay, well, uh, then maybe you can uh, be the third couch potato uh, if you get in on that. Now, I'd love to love to hear your take on the film. What are we doing on the other side of this break, Loren?
1: I want to check in on the conversation about the cost of living. At 7 o'clock, we talked about the idea that, people, you know, people are striking because wages just aren't keeping up with inflation, keeping up with the cost of housing. Well, now rents could go up in about six months time. We're going to talk to the social planning council next.
0: Cost of living, inflation, rising interest rates. It's conversation that we've been having for weeks and weeks. And if you're a renter, You're going to want to pay attention to this next story because, Loren, as of January 1st, 2024, rents could rise.
1: Yeah, so the Manitoba government has announced that it set the rent increase guidelines at 3%. That, of course, follows two years where the rents were, in theory, I'm going to put that in quotes, set at 0% for last year and this year. There are some caveats with this hike. The increase does not apply to units owned by governments, some social housing units and units where the rate is above $1,615 per month. But we're going to get more into that in a moment. First, we want to say hello to Josh Brandon, Community Animator with the Social Planning Council. Good morning. Good morning. So for those not in the know, how does this work? That 3%, uh, does that an automatic? Is it, uh, could it change depending on where you live? How does it go down?
3: well that's the the guideline that 's the maximum amount that landlords are allowed to increase rent for certain types of housing uh, You mentioned a few of the uh, a few of the exemptions uh, as well if it's if it's recently built within the last fifteen years it's not uh, it's not covered by the guideline and and landlords can also always apply for an above guideline rent increase so theoretically it's there's been a rent freeze for for many types of housing over the last two years but we know many renters are seeing rent increases because the landlords did uh did apply for an exemption and very often the rent control board is giving those exemptions even when there were not significant repairs done to the housing so if it was just cosmetic repairs Theoretically, they're not supposed to give the landlord an above guideline rent increase approval, but very often they have been over the past couple of years and probably continue to see that. So uh, on
0: the other side of, uh, of this coin, or the conversation, Josh, is the idea that that any of these privately owned apartment buildings, whether they have three hundred units or two units, or they're side by side, are typically owned by, you know, by either by businesses or private individuals. The cost of maintaining owning those particular properties is going up. So how do we balance the need of those individuals or corporations that are providing shelter? with the needs of those who can't necessarily afford a large increase
3: year after year? Well, you know, the, uh, for businesses, they're making their their business decisions, but I think what the role of government is, is to make sure that everybody does have housing that they can afford because the costs to our, our community, the costs to families and individuals, if we don't have affordable housing, that uh, that makes it so much more difficult for, for families to make ends meet, to, uh, to be successful in, in all other areas of their lives. So, so that's a critical foundation for us as a society. And as well, when we think about Winnipeg, one of the things that makes living here uh, so, so um, advantageous is that we do have that affordable housing advantage. If we don't maintain affordable housing here, we're going to see more and more young people leaving for other provinces. Skilled workers are not going to build their homes here. And so we we do have to ensure that housing remains affordable here.
0: I don't know of anybody that would disagree with that, but how do we go about it?
3: Yeah, well, um, for a number of years, uh, we've been... Having, I, th- I think the the three percent approval, the three percent, I mean, it does make sense. The cost of living for for landlords has uh, has gone up, but what we do need to make sure is that for uh, if landlords are applying for exemptions, that they're not uh, giving those exemptions uh, frivolously based on those cosmetic repairs, and as well, we've seen some landlords applying for exemptions and. Putting in uh, very large uh, rent increases and then giving uh, temporary deductions from those, and so that puts uh, puts tenants in a situation where they become at risk of seeing even larger increases down the road. So we do have to look at how we're how we're managing the exemptions better.
1: What are you hearing from people that you know you interact with in terms of where rent sits at, as that weight? that they're feeling on the shoulder. So often we've talked about gas and food in the past year, but where does rent sit on that list of, whew, like one more $50 hike per month is going to put me in a situation I can no longer afford?
3: Well, we see uh, households having to move. Uh, we see households having to cut back on, on what groceries they can afford. If you're in the lower income groups, your rent is your largest expense by far. And so any increase... Is that much more challenging? It's it's uh, it's it's a bigger chunk of your paycheck than food, groceries, gas, any of that. And so, if we can do anything to make rent more affordable, uh, that gives a even bigger break for lower income households.
0: Some people will will talk about you know the trickle down impact of of having more housing of all types that will eventually make the lower priced or lower cost rental accommodations, uh, less expensive, but that doesn't seem to be what happens. So it, it, does the government need to to, to to build more affordable housing and, and take the, the private marketplace out of that part of the equation?
3: Absolutely. We need to see significantly more affordable housing built in this province. We, uh, we didn't build much affordable housing over the last uh, seven or eight years, and uh, what we're seeing now in terms of the homelessness crisis, the housing crisis that uh, so many families are facing here in in Manitoba uh, is a direct result of that. So we need to see government step up, build more affordable housing. We also see need to Look at income supports. Uh, the the rent assist program that we have here in Manitoba is one of the better shelter benefits across the country, but we still need to see uh, improvements to that program to, to make sure that uh, all Manitobans are able to afford housing.
1: Josh, we're going to have to leave it there, but thank you for the time. I appreciate you coming into studio this morning.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
1: That's Josh Brandon, Community anim- Animator with the Social Planning Council. We're going to pause and check your news, and then after 8... Mosquito trap counts are low right now, but where could they go? That's next.
0: It's Mackling, McNabb, Monday, no McGarry. Brett returns on Monday, although we will have a Brett joining us just after 9 o'clock. Canadian Blood Services over the weekend saying, hey, we need your blood. We'll find out how the public responded and if they still need you to sign up to give the gift of life. 807 and Loren, we've been talking about going to movies our top our favorite our most memorable movie going experiences and Suzanne covering I would say at least two if not all three of those bases with this
1: text (laughs) my six-year-old son injured his foot on a water slide so to cheer him up the whole family went to see Jurassic Park 2 this was a big expense for a family of five Right from the start, the movie was intense. My son climbed onto my lap. Then the dinosaurs started chasing the people, and my son covered his eyes with his hands. I inked his hands off his face, yelling, you are watching this. We paid good money for this movie. At the same time, the music stopped, and the whole audience heard my rant. Not my best parenting moment then, but we all laughed about it after. That
0: is fantastic. Keep those text messages coming. We have tickets, two tickets, to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the British Columbia Lions coming up August 3rd. That's a week this Thursday at IG Field, 7.30 start. And, of course, don't forget the coach's show tonight. Derek Taylor and the coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike O'Shea, right here on your radio voice and radio home of the Blue Bombers 680 CJOB 7 to 8 is part of Christian O'Mell's 680 CJOB Sports Show. We want to talk mosquitoes. Several days of heat ahead, and Winnipeggers won't be the only ones baking in
1: it, Loren. yes, yeah, so the heat follows a couple of decent rainfalls, as we know, across the city and in parts of southern Manitoba, and that, you know, maybe could speed up the development of mosquito larvae. Taz Stewart of Taz Pest Control joins us now. Good morning, Taz.
6: Good day, good day. You guys are having fun this morning, I can hear.
1: Well, I was gonna, I was gonna segue from dinosaurs to mosquitoes because that's how Jurassic Park all began with that mosquito finding. But uh, I don't want to give them credit to becoming too big of, of an issue. But if I look at the trap count, that's seven citywide. That's the average. Where could it go in the days ahead? Are we in for it, or am I worried about nothing?
6: <laughs> are we in for it? <laughs> I like that terminology. Uh, no. <laughs> It's all about your backyard, and no joke. Uh, there is some some water bodies out there now, and that can, of course, produce mosquitoes. And with the the heat increasing, getting kind of summer summer normals, uh, we're we're looking at a potential where we may see a small emergence come off the water, and that's where again your backyard, removing those small little sites, you know, a cup of cup of water can produce several hundred mosquitoes in your backyard. So. Looking for you know your gutters your drains your bird baths anything that may hold water you need to be looking after you know dumping draining filling covering or treating is very very key in my uh, my, my story about mosquitoes.
0: Well, Taz, you make a good point because uh, on two fronts it's really about your backyard because it doesn't matter for most of us what the city trap count. Says it's the slap count while you're sitting around your your uh, fire table or or you're trying to sip on a beer and and relax uh, a long day's after a long day's work. But it, it, we do have a huge impact on whether or not those mosquitoes develop in the first place. Talk about how larvae uh, develop in in water. Like I'm thinking to myself, if if I've never had water in a spot before, but all of a sudden I do. Where, where are these larvae coming from? How do they develop?
6: Okay, well, there's there's a couple of ways we can go with this. Uh, number one is eggs can be laid in you know set, uh, depressions or on water bodies, and if those water bodies dry out, some species of egg can lay. I uh, can survive for up to seven years uh, without any water on them. So it's uh, that's one way mosquito populations appear. So number one, number two, hey, if you do have eggs sitting there and the water is there for at least, you know, sort of five to seven days and it's nice and warm, you can go from egg to adult and little is like that uh, kind of timeline. So you can see our rainfall that we've had over the last couple of days, and it's been substantial in some parts of the city. Uh you you could have, you know, an emergence happening in a week, but I don't wanna, you know, be that guy going, Oh my God, no, it's gonna be bad. But no, um we're still fairly dry out there, so a lot of that water is absorbing. So we should see a small, uh, you know, population appearing off the water. But I don't want to say that because it could green this week, too.
1: Yeah, we don't want to call you back and yell at you. So we'll just see where we get in a couple of days' time, (laughs) Taz. But, you know, I've been thinking, and I don't want to jinx us here, and I know it's so weather-related, but it really does feel like we haven't had a bad mosquito summer, I almost don't want to say this, in years.
6: Yeah, no, uh, we've been in a sort of a dry, outside, cycle, and that's one of the reasons why we're not seeing so many mosquitoes. Uh, Literally, I think we're in year five, where we've sort of been below average in rainfall numbers, and that has uh, equated to a very uh, relaxing summer of no mosquitoes.
0: (laughs) So, Taz, before I let you run here, um, full disclosure, you've been uh, helping me deal with a pest problem of a different sort at one of my my properties successfully, I may uh, say. Are there other creatures, are there other pests that are having a heyday right now?
6: Well, actually, I'm getting a lot more calls about cinch bugs, and that's uh, a bug that likes enjoying their grass. So you're getting those yellow spots in the grass. And, of course, that has to be treated on the edge where people think they need to be spraying the dead grass. No, you have to be spraying the boundary between the green grass and the and the dead grass. So it's a it's, a, it's another bug that uh, happens. And, of course, people don't want their lawns looking yellow this time of year. They want to have the beautiful lush green. So that's, that's, a, that's a fun one. Um, we can talk, you know, river pests, lots of mice out there. Holy boy. <laughs> not even joking.
1: Any reason why that would be?
6: sorry you clicked out
1: sorry you said there's a lot of mice out there what what would be behind that
6: oh yeah yeah you no know what uh, they've had a multiple years here of an increasing population and uh there was a reasonable snow cover last year and uh, you're you're seeing them in places i haven't seen them in multiple years like it's it, they're out there i don't want to talk about roaches or uh, you know bed bugs we all know they're they're out there bed bugs are on the increase now that covid rules are gone um can talk to many pests as you want. You, you, you know, Greg, with your uh, your squirrel friends. Um, there, there, there are lots out there too.
0: Thanks, Taz. I appreciate you taking time this morning, and I really appreciate you getting rid of that uh, pesky squirrel for me because it was causing a nightmare for for my tenant. And she's such a great tenant. We, we don't like her dealing with with anything out of the ordinary. We appreciate you immensely, friend. Thanks for this.
6: I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Taz Stewart of Taz's Pest Control. You can find them online. Just do a search for Taz's Pest Control. 8.14 on this Monday morning. We have to take a look at the impact of this weekend's fourth busiest weekend in movie history on the markets. That and much else coming up in business. We've got sports, weather, traffic, and news at the bottom of the hour all coming up next on The Start. Mackling McNabb with you. McGarry is on holidays this week. He returns on Monday. And then what, are you off on some sort of great adventure starting next Monday? Just
1: a couple days next week, closer to the weekend. Okay. And then the following week. Nice. And all the weeks after. (laughs) Fantastic. It's wonderful. 837. Never enough vacation in summer. It feels like there's just never enough.
0: Well, it feels, you know, as we're heading towards a high of 32 degrees tomorrow, feels a little goofy talking about curling. But we're going to do that in just a moment because any excuse to talk about curling is one that I'm embracing. We want to hear from you this morning on the text line about your best, your favorite, most memorable movie-going experience. We want to see send you to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the BC Lions coming up August 3rd at IG Field. Uh, the best text judged by Loren, myself, and Jeff will win those tickets, but you can't win without entering 204-780-6868. Send us your text messages now as we head west to southwest Manitoba, to the Westman area, where the Wheat City is looking to host one of the premier curling events the sport has to offer. It's not an annual event. It is a once-in-every-four-year extravaganza.
1: Yeah, so it's the Olympic curling trials, but was often referred to, marketed as the roar of the ring, of the wings, rings roar of the rings held every four years and it features Canada's eight best curling teams in both the male and female divisions the Manitoba government says it's going to give up to $450,000 to support Brandon's local curling host committee to host the event the winners in 2025 will go on to represent Canada at the 2026 milano Karina Olympic Games the 21 trials were held in Saskatoon Greg
0: the mayor of Brandon is Jeff Fawcett good morning Mayor Fawcett Good morning how are you we're doing well it's great to catch up with you Winnipeg hosted this event in 2013 and Brandon held the trials in 1997 so this isn't the first rodeo on on any uh, by by any stretch uh, Mayor Fawcett. what's the impact of hosting an event like this for a community like Brandon
7: Well there's all kinds of impact Of course uh, you know Manitoba is sort of the heart of curling. So uh, for our curling enthusiasts across Manitoba and the country, it's massive. But of course, there's a large economic impact as well, because this is uh, sort of the best of the best. We will get very big crowds. And for our whole region, uh, it's really positive.
1: So you're looking to host this at West Toba Place. You know, I, I refer to it as the Keystone Center still. But either no matter what you call it, what improvements might need to be made ahead of any sort of successful bid?
7: Well, it is, it is. The whole facility is still called the Keystone Centre, so you are right on that. <laughs> uh, the arena is West Noble Place, and, uh, you, you know, there's always a little bit of improvement, but of course the province and ourselves have got a new five-year agreement on uh, uh, work at the Keystone Centre, so we'll have a lot of stuff in place. It is arguably, I don't think it's arguably, but it's arguably for some, the best place in the, the country to host these kind of curling events. Uh, just with its size and its ability to, to have all those different arenas in the same place. Uh, it'll be a, a fantastic event there, and it is the best facility I think to host an
0: event like this yeah uh, Jeff for those that haven't been to Brandon and here Keystone Center and you mentioned West Toba place but give us an idea paint a picture for us just how large a complex there this is and and the different the different facilities within the larger facility uh, are, are in, in encapsulated, uh, within this uh, gigantic uh, entertainment and, and sports complex
7: Well, you know, I used to have the uh, square footage off the top of my head, uh, but I don't because it's too big a number to, for me to remember, And <laughs> but we do have the three arenas in there. Uh, we have all kinds of other uh, space for different uh, meeting spaces, and, you know, of course, we use it for agriculture all the time. We we just had uh, the uh, Clydesdale show in there. We had, I think, 60-some horses in the ring, uh, Clydesdales, just the other day, so we, we have all kinds we have hotels attached there's the restaurants uh and it's right in the heart of the city so it's, it's a great uh, a great location for everybody to be entertained and taken care of
1: when you talk about the i mentioned the improvements uh, is that what the money would go towards the investment from the government or is it also just about trying to market it and get yourself in you know and known on the olympic committee how does that all work is it like having to make a bid and using the money to make that successful bid
7: it, it is a bid. It is a bid that goes in, and uh, that's the way these are operated now. Back in the 90 uh, late 90s, when we had them before, it was done a little differently. But uh, now you do put a bid in, and so there will be other communities that will be putting bids in, and then that, and then the, the 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 groups take care of a lot of that that work. And we still have a big volunteer base that helps out. But uh, but you do put that bid in, and so the city of Brandon is. And the province are matching each other with their bids. Plus, we have some other contributors as well. So it's a a strong bid we have in there. And I I should mention, we also even have our curling clubs in the Keystone Center. So there's regular sheets of ice for playing and warming up and everything all the time. So lots going on there. Well, so I I spent uh,
0: four years of my life in Brandon, and you might remember spring break, nineteen seventy nine, Jeff, when we were we were gifted with a two week spring break so that the schools in Brandon could be converted into living quarters. Uh, for the athletes competing in the Jeux Canada Winter Games, and that was sort of in my mind, Brandon's coming out party. It did such a tremendous job with that event, and subsequently just do national events on a on a scale that is disproportionate, disproportionate rather to the population of the Wheat City.
7: You know, it, it is true. We've we've always been considered one of these host cities. Uh, and we do an exceptional job. We have a great volunteer base. And, and I want to give credit to our whole region because, the, the, you know, the region gets behind uh, our whole, the Brandon and, and area when we do these things because uh, we're the spot that we can do them in. So it's it's uh, awesome. And we still have lots from that Canada Games uh, around there. We're regular still working with our Sportsplex, which came from that.
0: Well, Jeff, we want to thank you very much for making time for us today. Uh, the Wheat City has a special place in my heart and Loren's heart, so uh, we always appreciate getting caught up on what's happening in Brandon. Let's make this a more regular conversation.
7: Absolutely, and great talking to you.
0: All right, Jeff Fawcett. He is the mayor of Brandon, Manitoba. "Roar of the Rings," Brandon. Throwing their hat into the ring to become the host city in 2025.
1: I have to wonder if the biggest competition on those bids would be other Canadian cities, you know, with just the interest coast to coast.
0: Oh yeah, this is this is a Canadian event. Oh, this is the Canadian
1: Olympic Trials. Sorry, that's yes. right. So then that would mean the, what are the biggest Canadian Olympic? Yeah, so, you know, Winnipeg has had had this event. Before. Brandon going to have it for Saskatoon a second time. shouldn't be going again.
0: No, uh, you wouldn't think so. But, you know, Regina, Edmonton, Calgary. More of the West. More of the West. Western Canada. Some of the mid-sized uh, cities in southwestern Ontario. Ottawa, I could see throwing their hat in the ring f- for this as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But Brandon just d- does. And this is not biased. You know, Brandon does an absolute terrific job of hosting these incredible events. 845. It's a Monday morning. It is the start.